Lord, as we open your word, we ask, Spirit of God, that you would teach us again today. Lord, we don't want to hear from Pastor David. We don't want to hear from our own minds. We want to hear from you, Spirit of God. And you have promised to speak through your words, so speak to us. Our hearts and our minds, Lord, we tune them in to your voice, Spirit. So speak into the core of who we are. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. We've been looking together about how we go deeper in our relationship with God. If Jesus was standing here today, if it wasn't me, if it was Jesus standing here, and I was sitting back there, and you could ask Jesus for one thing that would help you to go deeper in your relationship with God, what would it be? You don't have to answer, just think. If you could ask Jesus for one thing, you could ask the Spirit of God for one thing that would help you to go deeper in your relationship with him, what would it be? What would you ask him? This is not the kind of question that they ask on Miss World. I want world peace kind of answer, right? This is about you and your relationship with God and how you can grow that deeper and deeper in that relationship. What would you ask him? What would be the thing that you say, if only I had, if only you could explain, if only this, then I could go deeper. What would it be? We started looking together and we said that our motivation needs to be love. You can't go deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ, your relationship with God, unless you have love as your motivation. Remember we looked in Revelation at the church in Ephesus and the church there was doing amazing things but they, they lacked one thing, they'd lost their first love. And Jesus said to the church, if you don't get that back again, I'm going to remove my very presence from you. You're going to be like a, a country club, you may as well set yourself up with a golf course out the back because that's all you're going to be good for. You're not going to be a church any longer because my presence is going to be removed because you've forgotten your love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That is the motivation to go deeper with God. If you're not motivated by love, you will never get there. That has to be the motivation. But then we said last week that in order to go deeper, you have to remove the barriers. There's barriers that hold us on the surface that stop us going deeper. And one of those barriers is sin, which entangles, it says in Hebrews 12.1. And sin kind of winds itself around us and it holds us back. It's, it's, a bit like, uh, it's a bit like having a rope around you and you want to go but you're stuck and you can't go any further because it's just holding you back all the time. And the other thing are those things that hinder us. They're not necessarily bad things. But there are things in our life that stop us from getting to where we want to get to. They stop us from getting down into the depths in our relationship with Jesus. They're not bad things. The church can sometimes hinder your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be so busy doing things in the church that you're not actually spending time with Jesus himself. And so the church could be, the church is not sinful Contains sinners, yes, but it's not in and itself, is it? But it can be something in your life that hinders. And the things that hinder us are different for each one of us. 
And so we mustn't point the finger and say to one another, you know, that's, you've got to do that, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and think that's the same for everybody, because it's not. But there are things in each of our lives that hinder us, that stop us from getting to where we need to get to. But what's next? What else do you need? You know, this is the one of the most disconcerting sermon series I've ever preached. And I'll tell you why. Because when God said, this is what you need to preach on, I said, okay, God, as I usually do, and I sit down in the study at home and I pray and I say, Lord, then give me the outline of the whole series. Give me what you want me to say. And I sit there and I have a big spreadsheet usually and I say, okay, how many weeks have we got? Well, we've got this number of weeks till the summer. Let's do something else in the summer. So I've got, oh, okay, I've got six weeks. So let me do a six-week series. And I sit down and I plan it all out and I figure out the themes for each one and the, the scripture verses for each one. And I put a little outline to make sure that I don't repeat stuff that I did last week or three weeks ago and so on. And so I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, give me the series. This is what you want me to do, going deeper with you. That's great. That sounds fantastic. I want that. Everybody wants that. At least I hope you want that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You'd be out washing your car or doing something else this morning. But I said, Lord, okay, give me the series. And the Lord just went, nope. And I said, what do you mean, no? You've never said no to this before. Like, I need the series. I need to give it to other people. I need to, you know, we all need to be doing this together. No. I'll tell you each week. And I said, like, what's that all about? So I said, so what you're saying to me, God, is that I'm going to be floating along on the surface and you're not actually going to tell me what's going to happen next week. He said, that's right. Trust me. So I went, okay. So I started off with week one. The Lord said, do this. Love has to be the motivating. I said, fine. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, Lord, what's next? He said, all the things that hinder, and he gave me Hebrews 12. And I said, Lord, this week, okay, I'm preaching on Sunday. I've got two services today, this one and the 1.30 service. What's next? Nothing. Nothing. People are asking me in the office, what are you preaching on? I had people uh, from the 9.30 saying, what are you preaching on this Sunday? I said, I had no idea. Wednesday came and went, still no idea. I'm Lord, I'm running out of days here. You know, I I believe in good preparation. I don't really want to just turn up and say, hey guys, I've got nothing. And I'll sit down and say, you know, Sanjay, uh, Lucian, let's just worship. Let's, let's, Let's keep it going, keep it going, you know. And it wasn't until this week I've been reading through the whole Bible in a year. And this week, I came into a passage in 2 Peter. It's where I'm up to. And the passage I read in 2 Peter that we're going to look at today and over the next few weeks is the answer to this question, what next? And I read it, and as I read it, I went, thank you, Jesus. This is the sermon series all laid out. This is what I've been waiting for. This is, why didn't you tell me right at the start? I said, well, you had some other things to do first. If you've got Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. Oh, there we go. Second Peter chapter 1. This is how, once we have love of our motivation and we throw off the sin and the stuff that hinders us, this is how we go deeper in our relationship with God. 
It says, let's read it together. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying in all of this, if you understand this, you will be effective and productive in your relationship with God. If we unpack all of this, this is the diving down business. If we unpack all of this, he says, you're going to be ever increasing in your effectiveness and your productiveness for Jesus Christ. In other words, your relationship with him is going to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. This is how we do it. So let's start at the beginning today. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. What does that mean? What does it mean? Well, let's unpack it a little bit today. First, whoops, is... Divine power. His dunamis. Do you remember when we were looking at Ephesians and we looked at the power of God? There's different kinds of power that God has. But the Greek word used here is his dunamis. This is his miraculous power. His miraculous power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Let's look at that first bit first. This is the power of God that it says in Romans 1.20 created the whole world. It's the power that God used that when he spoke and said, let there be light, there was light. Let there be land, there was land. Let there be sky, there was sky. Let there be fishes, let there be birds, let there be humanity, and it came to be. This is that power, the same, exact same power. His creative power, miraculous power, has given us everything we need for life. It's the same power that we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says to Mary, when she says, how am I going to be conceived? The power of the Most High will be upon you, and you will be with child. This is how the same power that came down and with Mary somehow conceived Jesus inside of her. It's that power. It's the power in Ephesians 1, 19 and verse 20. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Death could not hold him. It was the power of God that reached down into the very depths of hell and lifted Jesus back up again. That same power he has given 
to us everything we need for life and godliness. It's the same power that we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you with power, that miraculous transforming power of God. And it's the same power that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his dunamis that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That power, that same power is the power that is available that is given to us. Now what can that power accomplish? Well, it's probably better to ask the other way around. Is there anything that that power cannot accomplish? I'm waiting for a response. Let me try this again. Is there anything that that power cannot accomplish? That is the correct answer. You had a 50-50. I was going to ask if you wanted to phone a friend, but that's good. Right? No. It's the power that created the whole world. It's the power that sustains the whole world. It's the power that God uses. There is nothing in that power that cannot be accomplished. Does that power have any limitations at all? Two out of two for some of you that answered the question. No. That power has no limitations because it's the very presence, the essence of God. And that power has been given to us. Look at the next thing. It says the power has been literally gifted to us. The power of God, the divine power, has been given, gifted to us. What does that mean? It means this. Luciana, would you like to come out the front for one second? Luciano is a good guy, isn't he? And today is his lucky day. Ten pounds, yours. Take your wife out for... No, it's yours. Thank you. That's what a gift is. Told you it was his lucky day. You'll all be sitting right here next week, won't you? I know you guys. Now, if I'd have said, as I almost did, take your wife out, then it's not a gift. It's a gift with conditions. But I just said, here's 10 pounds. Now, what, do, what, what does he have to do with his 10 pounds? Huh? Whatever he likes. It's no longer my 10 pounds. I can ask for it back. But he has the power to say yes or no. He's shaking now. He's shaking. <laughs> it's his, right? He can go and do with it whatever he likes. That's what a gift is, isn't it? So often we give gifts with strings attached, don't we? I'll give you this, but you have to do it, use it in this way. That's not a gift. That, that's, that's a noose around your neck, right? This is a gift. God has given his divine power, he's gifted to us. He's given it to us for us to use however we want to use it, 
right? It's a gift. He's gifted it to us. And what's he gifted? Everything we need, it says. Everything we need has been given. Which means there's no shortage. There's no shortages with God. I asked you at the start, if Jesus was standing here and you could ask for one thing, what would you ask for? What's the answer? What's the answer? We'll come back to it. He's already gifted to us everything we need. That's everything. How's he done that? He's done it because it's all his anyway. And he can give as he chooses. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. It says this. He is the image of the invisible God, talking about Christ, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How can he gift everything we need? Well, he can do it because it belongs to him in the first place. I could gift that 10 pound because it was my 10 pound. I took it out of the bank yesterday and I decided to gift it to Luciano. Now it's his 10 pounds. If he wants to go gift it somewhere else, he can do that. We're just about to have the offering. And uh, (laughs) don't you put it in there, right? You can do with it what you like. It's your 10 pounds. But you see what I'm saying? He can do it because everything belongs to him. He made it, he created it, he owns it. It is his. And so he can gift it wherever he likes. That's why he says in Luke chapter 11 verse 9, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. How can he be so sure? Because it's his to give. He can say it because he has the power to give. The power when we seek When we knock, he has the power to do all these things because it's his to begin with. He never gave it up. It's his. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So he's given everything that we need for a full life, an abundant life, A life of abundance on the outside, a blessed, a fulfilled, a complete life, and also given us everything we need for godliness, a right relationship with Him. In 1 Peter 1.16, He says, Be holy, for I am holy. How can He say that? Be set apart as I am set apart. How can we be set apart? Because He's got the right to give it to us, to set us apart. We're holy not because of ourselves. We're holy because God has set us apart and called us holy. And it's his right to do that. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Do you see what this verse is saying? It's saying, do you want to be holy? Do you desire to grow and mature in your relationship with God? 
Do you desire to walk with Jesus Christ daily? Do you desire to see the Holy Spirit manifested through you in power? Do you desire to bring honor and glory to the Father? What does he say? He says, everything has already been provided. You don't ask God for these things because he's already given it to you. And he's given it to me. His power has been given, gifted to us, so that everything we need, life and godliness, has already been given. How many times do we sit there and we go, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. You remember those action films? Not that I watched that many of them. But there's always, you know, some guy gets beaten up somewhere along the line, doesn't he? And then he goes into this kind of shack or something or the other, this room. And then he generally goes around and underneath a table he presses a button. And you know what happens? The wall disappears. And behind there is an arsenal of weapons that is capable of blowing up a whole nation. You know those films? You know, James Bond. It's always, you know, some, some obscure looking place and then he walks in there and all behind it is all this stuff and then he walks in there and he takes off a couple of things and there's more guns and ammunition and anything that he could possibly carry but he loads himself up and off he goes that's kind of like what he's saying here it's there it's available it's yours it's mine because he's gifted it to us but you know what we're, we're so often like this you sit at home and you're thinking to yourself, I'm feeling a bit peckish. Fancy some toast. And you're there and you're going, you know what? I fancy some toast. I need some toast. I want some toast. You can even smell toast. You're, being, you know, you're smelling it now, aren't you? You can smell the bread. You can smell it now. Smell the toast. And you're going, oh man, I'm hungry. I need some toast. I haven't had breakfast. I want some toast. And you're sitting there in your armchair. You're just going, I want toast. Lord, can you bring me some toast? Nothing. Lord, bring me some toast. Nothing. And the Lord finally says, the bread's there, the toast is there, go make yourself some toast. No, Lord, Lord, you don't understand, I need some toast. He's going, it's all there. Go ahead and do it. I've I've laid out the bread, I've laid out the toaster. I've laid out the the marmalade, I've laid out the butter or the margarine, whatever you want. There's a whole selection of different jams and marmalades for you to use. Now go make yourself some toast. Lord, I need some toast. Oh Lord, my life would be complete if you just get me some toast. And we sit there and we ask and we ask and we ask. And what does this verse say? It's already been given. The toast is there. It's there, available for you and for me. But we don't get up and take it. We don't use it. We just keep sitting there in their armchair going, Lord, I need toast. Oh, Lord, please send me toast. I need my toast. I need this. I need that. And he's saying, I've given it to you. Now use it. No, Lord, you don't understand. I need this. I need this. I've given it to you. Now use it. And he'll even, he may be, the Lord will bring you the piece of toast on a plate and lay it on your lap. Oh Lord, I still need toast. My belly is so hungry. I want toast. I want toast. Eat the toast. And we're still sitting there going, Lord, just just please bring me toast. Do you get what I'm saying? What's he saying? 
His divine power has given us, gifted to us, everything that we need. You don't need to go to God and say, Lord, I need this. He says, David, I've already given it to you. It's available. Use it. Oh, Lord. Everything we need for life and godliness. Now the question is then, how? How do we use it? When was it given? And how do we, how has he given this to us? You know, we, we need to stop asking for these things and start using them. You know, when I was uh, first in ministry, after a few years of ministry, I got so frustrated with God. got really angry, actually. I said, God, this is such a stupid job. Why would you put me in a job where all day long I hear people's problems, people's issues, and you haven't given me a magic wand to go fix it? People come to me, they're struggling with their health, and I just want to go, you're better now, out the door, you know? People are struggling in relationships, fixed, go. Why won't you give me a magic wand? Why, why would you put me in a role where I don't have the tools to do the job? What does this say? You've got the tools. Why won't you use them? Think about it. His divine power, the power that created the universe, has gifted us, given us everything we need for life and godliness. Now let's look at the second bit. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. This is the how. This is the how it's been given and when it was given. Let's look at the second part first, the when. When was it given? It was given when he called us. This literally means when he summoned us. Now you know what the difference between a calling and a summoning is. Think back to your childhood. Think back to your mother. David, dinner is ready. That's a calling. David, get your body right down here now. That's the summoning, right? You know the difference. One is, yeah, I will wander down in a few minutes when I finish whatever I'm doing and I'll get there and it'll be ready on the table. The second one is rather different. You better be here before I finish this sentence, otherwise you're even more trouble than the trouble that you're already in. That's the summoning. God has summoned us. He's called us. He said, David, come over here. How has he summoned us? He summoned us by his own glory and his goodness. That's what the word says. He summoned us. He's called me by his own glory and goodness. His glory, that's his internal character. That's his splendor and his brilliance and his excellence which shines out of him and catches our attention. That's what makes God different. That's what sets him apart. That's what we see in God. That's what attracts us to him. Why were people attracted to Jesus? It wasn't because he was the most handsome guy in the whole history of humanity. They were attracted by his glory and his goodness. They were attracted first by what they saw inside of him. They said, hey, this guy's different to everybody else. 
There's something that is shining out of him that is different to the people we see around him. They kept on saying, he's not like any of the other teachers. He's not like any of the other leaders that we've ever followed. There's something different about it. Something about his character, his, his aura around him, his charisma that, that just draws us to him. That's his glory. And his goodness is the manifestation of that glory in what he did. Jesus' glory was seen when he healed the sick. His glory was seen when he got down with the prostitute or when he touched the leper or when he taught in a way that they'd never heard being taught before, when it wasn't a judgmental but a loving kind of teaching that he brought. That's how his goodness was shown. That's how his glory was shown in the goodness of who he was. And that's what draws us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Why did you become a believer in Jesus Christ? We all have to come to that point where Jesus calls us, he summons us to him, and we come because we see something in Jesus that is different to anything else. Jesus is not just another religious teacher and not just another good guy. He's different. He's the Son of God who calls us through his own glory and his own goodness. We see something in him and we go, hey, there's something in this that I really love. There's something that just draws me that I can't help myself, but I just get pulled in. It's that character within Jesus Christ that calls us. It's like when you first get attracted in a relationship. It's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, you might first get attracted by you think, oh, they look quite nice. But then that doesn't go, that goes so far. Then you get attracted by their glory and their goodness. You get attracted by the inner qualities within them that you see that you think, my goodness, this, there's something special in this person. It just draws me. And you see those things being played out around you. I looked, don't ever do this. It's a bad move, but I did it anyway. I looked on a woman's website. Characteristics they find attractive in men. I'll read some of them. Number one was respect. They said, if you find a guy that respects other people, hang on to him, because he'll respect you. Intelligence, they said he doesn't need to be Albert Einstein, but at least you don't want him to be a complete, you know, Attentiveness. They said, make sure he's not too, you know, like that's just creepy if he's too attentive. But there is a level of attentiveness that you want in someone else. Humor. Good with their family. Watch, watch their goodness. Watch their goodness with their family because if they're good with their family, then you know they're going to be good with you. Watch how they treat and respect other people in their family. Are they loyal? Are they confident? Are they honest? And I'll leave out the ones I didn't agree with. <laughs> but that is what we see in Jesus, and that's what attracts us to him. And that's when we receive, when we come to that place of surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ, when we say, Lord, I love who you are. I want to develop this relationship with you. Lord, I want, to, I want to come to know you deeper. 
When we respond to him summoning us and saying, Dear David, come, 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 come. And we see his glory and his goodness. That's what salvation is all about. It's that coming together with Jesus Christ because of his call to us and what we see in him. That's the when. That's the when he's given us. And when we accept Jesus Christ in our own hearts, when we accept and we start that relationship to us, that is when he gives us his divine power for everything we need for life and godliness. And one last thing. It comes through our knowledge of him. Now this is not knowledge about him, but knowledge of him. And there's a difference. Let me try and explain. What this really means, let let me show you. Look at that picture. Which way is he facing? Hands up if he's facing right. Hands up forwards. Hands up both. Depends on the way you look at it, doesn't it? It's very clever. feel sorry for the guy because he's only got half a head, but, you know. Look at this. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of a what? A frog. frog. But if you turn it, it becomes what? Frog, horse, frog, turn your head, other way, (laughs) horse. Same picture, different perspective. Now that's what happens when we have our knowledge. You see, there's two ways of seeing things. You can see things through the flesh or you see things through the spirit. You can see things as a frog or you can see things as a horse. And it's only when you start that relationship with Jesus Christ, that genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, that he gives to you an ability to see things differently. You know, one of the easiest ways to tell the difference between genuine believers and those who are merely religious is this. You see, one will speak from their head and one speaks from their spirit. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, when you answer that summons, that invitation from God, The first thing he gives you is a new perspective, a new perception on the world and everything around it. You see things in a different way than the way you saw them before. Look at what he says. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge, through our different perception of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us that different perception. We see things in a different way. We have different priorities. It's not what I want, but what he wants. 
It's not what suits me, it's what will accomplish his will. It's not what I am capable of doing, but what he is capable of doing. You see it everywhere you go. Just listen to people and you can immediately tell whether they're really a believer in Jesus Christ or not. Because of this very thing. Their knowledge has not changed. Their mindset has not changed. And when you come into an encounter with Jesus Christ, your, your vocabulary, your mindset, everything changes. It's like when you fall in love. You know, you know what it's like when you listen to young lovers. What happens? Luciano fell in love with Virgie. What happened? He wouldn't shut up about Virgie. Everything was Virgie this, Virgie that, Virgie this, Virgie that. Luciana, would you like to go for coffee? Yes, but can I bring my beautiful Virgie with me? You know, everything. He's still in your lover's world. It's cool. But that's what happens, isn't it? Why? The whole vocabulary changes. Their mindset changes. It's not just me, 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 me anymore. It's like, oh, I've got to bring her. I need to phone her. I need to do this with her. I've got to do that with her. Everything changes. And it's the same in our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our knowledge changes, our mindset changes. You can hear about it when we talk about the sanctuary. You hear it in different people's voices. Should we have white walls or leave them the same? What does God want? That's the only question we need to ask. Not I prefer white or I prefer green. Who cares? What does Jesus want? Do we do this or do we do that? What does Jesus want? What, what's going to bring him honor? What's going to bring him glory? That's what we should do. And that's, it. That's, that's the way it sounds from a believer. A religious person, it's, oh, I, I prefer this or I prefer that. This is what I want. This is what I prefer. You hear the difference because their minds has not changed Because their heart hasn't changed. Let's read this again. His divine power, read it with me. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you see how deep this verse is? You know, we just read this at the start, didn't we, with a whole load of other verses and we wouldn't have stopped to even think about it. You know, when I read this this week, I just went, whoa, Lord, let me stop, let me stop there. What does it really mean, Lord? And I've spent the rest of the last few, latter half of the week thinking and chewing and looking and trying to get to the depths of what this really means. I began by asking you, if Jesus was standing here, what would you ask for? What's the answer? Hmm? Exactly. Top of the class. That's why you're sitting right here, Rosemary. Awesome. What would you ask for? Nothing. Because you already have it. You want your healing? You've already got it. You want to break through in this area or that area of your life? It's already been sorted. Now we'll get on to why you don't see it in your life in the next few weeks. 
But the thing you've got to change your mindset about is that we already have everything we need. We don't need to ask him for anything in that sense because it's already been given to us. It's there. It's available. It's for you. What we need to do is say, Lord, help me to use what you have already given me. Help me to claim my healing and see it in my life or the healing from my friend and see it in their life. Help me to claim this breakthrough in my life that you have already given. Help me to claim this for someone else. Help me to do this. Help me to put it into practice and not just sit there and say, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. But to realize that he's given us everything that we need, but we need to learn how to put these things into practice in our lives. You could rewrite this. Whoops. Say this with me. His divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness through my knowledge of him who called me by his own glory and goodness. He's given me everything I need. I said to you, I used to get angry with God because I wanted a magic wand. What does that say? You've got it. What you need to learn to do, David, is learn how to use it. And it's not under my control like a magic wand that just says, hey, I wouldn't make a very good fairy godmother, I don't think. But the power is already there. The will of God, the will of God to give it to us has already happened. We just need to learn how to use what He has already given. So stop asking. You know, when it says, Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open, what's the context of that? It's about asking about the Holy Spirit. The Father, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's about being summoned. It's about coming into a relationship with God. It's not about asking for every little thing that we need. It's about saying, Lord, how do I use what you have already given me for your honor and for your glory? You see, when Jesus said in John 14, let me read that just in closing. John 14, verse 11, he says this. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What are we asking God for? We're not asking him for the power because it's already been given to us. We're not asking him for the gifting. Lord, I don't have the gift of healing, and how can I pray for this person and they become well? Because it's already been given to us. What we're asking for is a discernment to know where to use the gifting and the power to bring glory to the Father. 
That's what it means to ask in his name. Lord, give me that discernment and that confidence that I already have everything I need to be able to do this. Do you understand the difference? Trinity Church needs to flow in this. We have, you have, I have everything that we need. But we need to learn together how to release it and let it flow. We don't need anything else from God. We need to allow it to flow through us in the way he wants it to. His divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness through my knowledge of him who called me by his own glory and goodness. This changes everything, doesn't it? It does for me. Because it means, Lord, you've given everything that we need. All the plans that God has for the church here, he's given everything we need to accomplish it. We're not lacking anything. Everything in my life, Lord, you know how deep I want to go in my relationship with you. David, I've given you everything you need. I can never stand before God and say, Lord, I need this. He says, David, it's already there. I've given it to you. Everything you need to go deep in your relationship, so deep, is already there. Start using it. Start grabbing hold of it and putting it into practice in your life. Start allowing the gifts and the blessings of God to become part of who you are. I wrote a prayer based on this. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for your miraculous divine power which you have given to me through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have given me everything I need for abundant living and the deepest relationship with you possible. Thank you for summoning me by the radiance of who you are. And thank you for giving me a different spiritual knowledge of you, me, and the world around me. Dear Jesus, you have given me everything I need. Help me to put it into practice in my life. All these abundance blessings. All for your honor and praise. Amen. And if you prayed that in your heart with a sincerity and an openness, God is faithful. And he will supply. He's already supplied. He will help you over the weeks to come to access everything that he has given to you and so that we all travel on this journey into a deeper and deeper relationship with him, all to the honor and glory of God. Amen.